this week in the parish of Borses. NSE Colo fined $12 million. Binance commingles. ICE creates a genuine gas choice. And aside from bail collateral issues, SBF loses a privacy naming row. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, Episode 179. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week's news in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. That's the key stories this week. The Colo fiasco cost NSE over $12 million as NICE investigated a technical issue which made the market open a bit of a wild ride on one day. Binance, well, their commingling was a bit of a faux pas as Binance did a spot of pick and mix on customer funds while market access reported decent numbers and ABEX looked to enter the LNG futures market from Singapore. ICE at the same time have created a genuine gas choice in Europe. They haven't moved the pipes, but they have raised the possibility of diverting the market. ICE embraces EU TTF suicide caps in Europe and opens a free market in London. And apart from collateral issues, SBF lost a privacy naming row as Judge Lewis Kaplan delivered a judgment to publish the names of the two hardy souls backing the hyper-leveraged bail facility, keeping SBF out there on the internet playing World of Warcraft and storybook brawl. This week in BitCarnage overall, our exclusive series covering the ongoing crypto winter, it's interesting to note that Binance and OKX have both failed to gain crypto derivatives market share in the wake of FTX's demise. Meanwhile, New York regulators reminded crypto entities to separate client funds, which came uncomfortably close to a Binance announcement that they had inadvertently commingled client assets in the wrong wallet. In the wake of this shambolic mixing of coins in the wrong wallets, Binance also announced what they deemed a great leap forward, removing self-trading by clients, if the clients want to. Coinbase, meanwhile, was fined $3.6 million in the Netherlands, while there was talk of the ultimate Hail Mary pass, Celsius considering the idea of issuing a bankruptcy token to repay its creditors. Hashtag seriously didn't even cut it here, and that was before we saw the perhaps most damning liquidators report we can ever recall. The Celsius Inc. final report of Shoba Pillay Examiner is about as close as any administrator can get to a full spaghetti western script. Presumably coming soon there will be a fistful of tokens and a few tokens more from other liquidation reports. It looks as if Celsius managed to fill the bingo card of dubious activities, including outright pure play Ponzidom, paying off old accounts with new money. I haven't read the whole sorry tale yet, but a quick skim doesn't bode well. 
For example, in April 2022, Celsius's coin deployment specialist described Celsius's practice of using customer stable coins and growing short in customer coins to buy sell as very Ponzi-like. Yes, indeed, they described it as very Ponzi-like. These are not the sort of words that, for one thing, keep you out of an orange jumpsuit or B, keep your company solvent for long, as clearly was the case with Celsius. As the report puts it very succinctly, the business model Celsius advertised and sold to its customers was not the business that Celsius actually operated. The LA Times produced the sort of article that might have appealed at one time to the likes of Mrs. Freed, but now she's not guilty of taking possession of a $16 million condo in the Bahamas as part of an alleged fraud. Her view may have changed. It's a leasehold saga. Sam Bankman-Fried's parents used their house to bail him out, but they rent the land from Stanford. Albeit that's apparently not an issue if the bail is collateralised with the property, although if SBS flees, it makes a sale very complicated for the feds. It's not quite as bad as having some, say, SAM coins to manage to bail out what goes on, but any buyer for the property would be contingent on Stanford granting permission. NICE in the big world of legacy exchanges have been investigating technical issues that caused a wild market open. Very many early trades had to be cancelled after a NICE employee failed to properly shut down Cermak's disaster recovery system, leading itself to disaster. Same time, the NSE, well, their various disasters, Colo being amongst them, in Colo alone, they're having to pay a 100 crore rupee in penalties to SEBI for their lapses. That's about 12.2 million US dollars in total, which is a pretty astounding amount of money, on top of the fact that there were various other orders made against the NSE over the course of recent years for other different offences. At the same time, the Hindu business line is saying it's time to shut the past on the NSE. I'm somewhat minded to agree with the editorial the NSE has been working to reform, and while it may take some time for the Indian blob to react, it's time to work towards rehabilitating the NSE after its period of wayward hubris. At the same time, one thing which was not wayward hubris, rather was incredible success, a monumental achievement no less, in India this week. India has achieved a complete transition to a T plus one settlement cycle in equity markets. It was a busy week for results in the parish. All the details were in Exchange Invest Daily, the newsletter no person can afford to be without in capital markets and market structure. For the sake of this podcast, just a couple of edited highlights. Market access looking very, very good. Revenues up 8%. Diluted EPS up 15%. NASDAQ a little bit more static overall. Net revenues up 5% for the whole year on 2022. But Nonetheless, remarkably good numbers given they had some spectacular quarters in recent times. Results of JPX, MSCI and others were all covered in Exchange Invest during the course of the week, while plaudits to this week's winner, DFM, the Dubai Financial Market, they recorded a net profit increase of 41.7%. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. 
Equally, it was a busy week for new markets in the parish, but the most exciting new market of all was clearly ICE's plans to implement the EU market correction mechanism, i.e. a price cap on gas. Well, that all sounds very Canutian, but doesn't make sense. How can that be the exciting new market? Well, the thing is, that's the status quo now in continental Europe. But thanks to Brexit, ICE can do its own thing in London. And what they're going to do is they're going to run an open, free TTF market, which will actually be priced according to what the market decides. Let's see where the volume goes in that business in the near future. Deal news this week, the LSEG strategic partnership with Microsoft. They've completed their share purchase into the LSEG, relieving Messrs, Thomson Reuters and Blackstone of some of their shares. While the German stock exchange business Stuttgart's digital business has had a new boost with investment from Tokyo-based financial services firm SBI Group and digital publisher Axel Springer. If you're trying to work out just why Axel Springer and SBI Group might be investing in the Börse Stuttgart, then you ought to consider reading my latest book, Victory or Death, Blockchain Cryptocurrency in the Fintech World, is published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide. While you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, check out our live stream, Tuesday 6pm London time, 1300 hours New York time. It's the IPO video live show. Catch the back episodes on LinkedIn and YouTube via IPO-VID. This week we had the joy of hosting for show number 92, Alina Aldenbergian. She was making the case for Kazakhstan as the chief executive of the Kazakhstan Stock Exchange. Coming up this week, we're going to have a fabulous show, Craig Pirong, the Streetwise Professor Speaks. Product news this week, the ex-city analyst who exposed LIBOR has now taken aim at its successor. It's almost as if a cabal of central bankers, regulators and politicians rushed into making a replacement for the established interest rate benchmark methodology without really thinking it through. How on earth could government technocrats let us down in such a way? Meanwhile, in another move of the what-could-possibly-go-wrong genre, Brazil and Argentina are apparently discussing whether or not to combine their currencies. ABAX, they submitted that LNG futures contract specification and published a white paper on physical commodities markets with a view to launching their LNG solution from Singapore, while Saudi Arabia is planning to boost the listing of agricultural firms on Tadawul. Technology news this week, the Philippine stock market had a bit of a whoops nasty delaying the opening for half an hour on Wednesday because of a technical issue. Equally, MSCI partners with Google Cloud. They're going to be building a secure global investment data platform in the cloud. JPXCCP's blockchain technology utilization has begun. They're implementing a rubber futures settlement by delivery as a first opening into the world of distributed ledger on top of their CCP. In regulation news this week, well, perhaps the most interesting of the many in elements related to crypto was the SEC chair Gary Gensler saying there are three ways to tell if a crypto project is a scam. And I quote, number one, the crypto project can't provide clear documentation regarding how it works or how it plans to deliver on its goals. Two, the project can demonstrate that it's in regulatory compliance. And three, the project can't easily explain what it is at all. It's a rare moment of Genslerian diplomacy as Gigi avoided adding a fourth point. 
When the chairman of the CFTC says the idea is something like an exciting new frontier to be considered... Well, anyway, meanwhile in the UK, the Treasury there is planning to bring crypto under city rules. That, of course, could be both a poisoned chalice as well as a welcome move, depending on what happens, especially if crypto investors ultimately fall into the idea of being bailed out along the way. Career news this week. Oliver Hans is going to be leaving the Börse Stuttgart Group. The Microsoft VP of Cloud, Scott Guthrie, is joining the London Stock Exchange Board as expected. And of course, following the completion of Microsoft's acquisition of 4.2% stake in the LSEG. Tim Baker, CFA, has joined Expero as Managing Director of the Financial Services Practice and lead of that practice. All the best to Tim, who helped position BMLL for their US launch over the past year. And finally this week in Career Paths, all the very, very best in the future to Matthew Gibbs, the seemingly indefatigable General Manager of Media and Communications at ASX Group. Matt has endured almost 22 years in the parish, 19 at ASX, 3 at the Sydney Futures Exchange, across seven CEOs and five chairs. In corporate communications terms, this has often been a challenging brief defending the ASX during various kerfuffles and, of course, on the basis of several management foibles, such as the chess non-replacement et al. However, Matthew has demonstrated throughout a fairness and maturity that I truly appreciate. He's a genuine PR professional who I recommend wholeheartedly, having always robustly and rationally promoted his charge while engaging and answering queries promptly. It's been a real honour to work with you. Good luck, Matt. You may never want to see another exchange, but I would be very happy if you returned to the parish after a much-needed chance to unwind. Over in South America, the unification that's going on between Santiago, Colombia and the Lima Stock Exchange, that has led to them announcing their candidate for CEO position of the Unified Exchange. And it's someone we actually do happen to have on our, well, at least roster of people we can identify with from South America's CEOs from the position of Europe or North America. He's the BVC Colombia boss, Juan Pablo Cordoba, who of course, previously was chosen as Compromise World Federation of Exchanges chairman when Sandy Frischer's mercurial demeanour garnered significant opposition from certain quarters in what was probably the last WFE chairman election anybody actually paid attention to before the organisation sadly accelerated its slide into obsolescence and broader relevance. There's a new head of Turquoise. Congratulations to Adam Wood, who's going to endeavour to fill the enormous boots that were left behind after nine incredible years by Dr. Robert Barnes. And that leads us to consider Big World, ladies and gentlemen. I spent a week in the UAE recently. I didn't manage to make it as far as Kuwait. Interesting that the moves there, the Emir has pardoned dozens of critics, many of whom were in jail, under a new amnesty as part of a reform process to build political cohesion and internal consensus to speed up development and indeed lure foreign direct investment as the nation considers its future after oil. At the same time, I would also note Kuwait has been buying Turkish-made Bayraktar TB2 UAS, the fabulous drone which has been so successful, both actually in various parts of the Middle East and becoming Turkey's most spectacular military export of the modern age, as demonstrated to great results in defending Ukraine most recently.
And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young. I wish you all a great week in blockchain, life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.